Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. Back in the 1800s, there was a famous atheist lecturer by the name of Robert Ingersoll. And one day at one of his lectures, he held up the Bible and, in 15 years, I'll have this book in the morgue. And 15 years later, Robert Ingersoll was in the morgue. Let me ask you a question. What is your relationship to the Bible? Do you read it regularly? Do you never read it? What is your, your relationship? Psalm chapter 1, verse 2 says this, His, a believer's delight, is in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Is that your relationship? Do you read the Bible, think about it day and night, and are you letting it make you a strong tree? Well, on this program, we're going to ask two questions. Question number one, what will Bible reading do for you? Let's say you never read your Bible, but you're going to start reading it regularly. Well, what will that do for you? And then the second question we're going to ask, how do I read the Bible? What will help me understand the Bible? How do I read this book? So would you take out the book, turn in the New Testament to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and let's learn what Bible reading will do for me. Let's pray first. Lord God, we pray for everyone watching this program. Some people never read their Bible. Some of us read it all the time. But Lord, we would pray that many people would watch this program and get a thirst and a hunger for reading the Bible regularly. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come speak to us about what that'll do for us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy, the preacher, and six things Bible reading will do for you. They're all in this, this little paragraph. See if you can catch them. Second Timothy 3, starting at verse 15. Timothy, from childhood you have known the sacred writings, the Bible, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Six things the Bible will do for you were found in that paragraph. Let's go back. Number one, the sacred writings are gave, able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith. The first thing the Bible can do for you is save you. Bible reading can save you. One day an atheist got a knock on the door from the Christian uh, who lived in his neighborhood. And the Christian said, I, I just want to give you a, a free gift, a book. I, I want to give you a Bible. The atheist said, oh, I, I'm not, I'll, I'll take the Bible. The atheist started reading the Bible. After quite a while, he got one-third of the way through the Bible, and he says, Wife, if this book is right, 
you and I are wrong. He kept reading through the Bible, gets two-thirds of the way. Wife, if this book is right, you and I are lost. He gets all the way through to the end of the book of the Bible, Revelation, and he says, Wife, if this book is right, you and I can be saved. <laughs> and according to the story is, they were. The first thing Bible reading can do for you is save you and give you faith in Christ. Um, I love to ask people, maybe you've seen me do it on this show, we'll have a guest and I'll say, how did you come to know Christ? And the normal answer is, well, my grandma talked to me, or a person at work talked to me, or dad raised me in the church, something like that. But now and then I'll ask the question and I'll get this answer. Nobody talked to me. I just started reading a Bible, and it was through Bible reading that I came to faith in Christ. That's the first thing Bible reading can do for you. It can save you. Second thing, 2 Timothy, again, chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired, that means breathed out, by God. Second thing Bible reading will do for you, it will give you God's mind on things. The Bible is inspired, breathed out. It's like God goes, whoosh, and gives us a book. So if you want to know God's mind on heaven, hell, abortion, pornography, homosexuality, premarital sex, uh, tithing, um, you know, all these things, if you want to know what God thinks about things, you read the Bible. Third blessing, number one, it can save you. Number two, it gives you God's mind. The third blessing of Bible reading is in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is profitable for teaching. Third thing Bible reading does, it will give you good teaching. If you want bad teaching, you watch TV. I was, I was working on this very sermon this morning. I needed a break, so for two minutes I turned on TV and saw the view. If you want really bad teaching, watch the view. Watch some of these awful gossip entertainment programs. I mean, lots of the secular media offers you horrible teaching. On his deathbed, a Christian at the hospital was lying there knowing he was in his last hours, moments. A friend comes in and the Christian says to his friend, would you read to me? The friend says, sure, what would you like me to read? What book would you like me to read? And the Christian said, there is only one book. Way back in the early 80s, uh, my first church was in Florida. Well, I visited Florida, and I hadn't seen this woman for, I don't know, 30 years or so, maybe more. Uh, and back when I knew her, she, was, she seemed to be a pretty biblical Christian, but... I, I met her again, hi, how are you, Marcia? And, and she started defending homosexuality. I said, well, Marcia, you know, the Bible says that behavior is a sin. And Marcia said, well, pastor, there are other books. And I tried to make the point, no, there aren't. <laughs> when it comes to what God thinks about things, there's one book. Next blessing of Bible reading, 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, The Bible is profitable for reproof, for correction. Next thing the Bible reading will do for you, it will correct you. Many years ago, a missionary gave a Chinaman a copy of the Bible. Days later, the Chinaman comes back, puts it in the face of the... Here, take that book back. I don't want that book. You take that book. 
The missionary said, you know, it's the word of God. Why don't you want this book? Every time I read that book, he said, it kick me. Well, that's what the Bible does. <laughs> Listen, you and I are in this evil world. It's the job of the world to deceive us. And Christian, we will get just as messed up in the lies of our culture as anybody else, unless we are in the word of God, letting, us, letting it kick us and correct us. I'll tell you what I thought of. When I was in my first year of college, I was a Christian, but confused. And I didn't like the concept of hell. So I tried to believe in what's called annihilationism, that when you die without Christ, you don't go to hell, you just get wiped out. My first year of college, I joined a Bible study. And here's all these Baptist type people saying, but Tom, hell is in the Bible. So in my first year of college, I reread the New Testament. Every time it mentioned hell, I wrote it down. And at the end of my first year of college, my mind started to change. The Bible had kicked me in a good direction. And then, <laughs> same, same time, first year of college, I had a roommate by the name of Scott. He had a girlfriend by the name of Beth. They were sexually active, and I remember one day them saying, well, Tom, you're a Christian. Do you think it's wrong to have sex before marriage? And I said, well, you're planning on getting married. And well, Tom, what do you think about abortion? Well, who knows when the spirit enters the baby? I don't know. All right. Well, then I, I, I got more serious about my faith. I transferred to another college. And I had to make a long distance phone call the next year. And now they're living together. And I said, Scott and Beth, please forgive me. Yes, abortion is wrong. Yes, premarital sex is a sin. I, I gave you the wrong advice. Please forgive me. Listen, you need to read your Bible regularly and let it kick you, or you will lead other people astray. Next blessing of Bible reading, 2 Timothy 3.16. The scriptures are profitable for training in righteousness. The next blessing Bible reading will make you righteous. <laughs> the Bible has a way of making you holy. Uh, I'm thinking of high school now. And when my friends would get drunk on the weekends, I couldn't bring myself to do that. And I, why? Well, I think a big part of it was I had started re reading my Bible every night when I was 13. By the time I got to be 16, 17, I just knew not to do that. Bible reading can make you holy. I have a hobby. I make pottery for a hobby. And so here is a piece of pottery I made. When I take it out of the kiln, the edge can be very rough. And if I took this bowl and moved it across the table, I could scratch up the table. So I take my grinder, and when the thing is done, I grind the edge so that... Now I can move it smoothly across the table, no problem. Well, my point is, Christians, we all have rough edges. We've got sins, we've got personality flaws. The Bible is the grinder that makes us holy, makes us easier to live with. <laughs> now, I said this to a friend of mine, and she said, well, yeah, I know somebody who reads the Bible, and he's still got a rough edge. And I said to her, 
but he'd be so much worse if he wasn't reading the Bible. <laughs> Bible reading makes you holy. There's an old saying, either this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Let me repeat that. Either you'll let this book keep you from sin, or your sin will keep you from reading this book. Last blessing of Bible reading. 2 Timothy 3, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The last blessing of Bible reading, it will equip you to do God's work. When the Apostle Paul wrote those words to Timothy, it was during the Roman Empire. No Roman soldier would go into battle without the equipment, without being equipped. And Paul is saying here, you can't serve the Lord without this book. General Douglas MacArthur, I think he was maybe, was he the only five-star general? But he said this, quote, Gentlemen, never a night goes by, be I ever so tired, that I do not read the word of God before I go to bed. So let me summarize. If you start reading your Bible regularly, here's what it can do for you. Number one, it can save you. Number two, it can give you God's mind on things. Number three, you'll get good teaching. Number four, it will kick and correct you. Number five, it'll make you holy, round off your rough edges. And number six, it will equip you to start serving the Lord. So read your Bible. That's my point of this sermon. Read your Bible. Now, last, last part of the sermon is, how should I read the Bible? What will help me understand this? A few, a few thoughts. Number one. Pray for the Spirit's guidance. Jesus said in John chapter 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So I pretty much never read the Bible without first praying, Holy Spirit, please help me understand this. You know, I had a person say to me, Pastor Brock, I started reading the Bible, but I found it so confusing, I stopped. I said, don't stop. <laughs> the devil wants you to stop. You know, pray for the Holy Spirit. And the second way to read the Bible Read it in, read the Bible with other Christians in the church. You know, I read the Bible by myself, and I do, but I don't really read the Bible by myself because next to my Bible are Bible commentaries. You know, we're not the first Christians to come along. Christians have been studying this book for 2,000 years, take advantage of their knowledge and wisdom, and I read my Bible by myself. But I also like to be part of a Bible study where we talk about it together. And I like to have Bible commentaries so that, I mean, it's always safe to ask this question. How has the Christian understood that verse for 2,000 years? How, have the church, how has the church always understood? Because I've said this before, now and then I'll get this email. Pastor Brock, I don't go to church anymore because the church does not understand the Bible properly like I do. So I just read the Bible by myself. <laughs> and then you read about what they believe. You get weird theology if you try to interpret the Bible all by yourself because you're the only enlightened human on earth. No, no, read the Bible with other Christians. Next way to read the Bible. Scripture interprets Scripture. You don't just read Paul, you don't just read James, you read Paul and James. 
uh, and, and you try to put it all together so it makes sense. For instance, if you read Paul, Romans 3, Paul says, we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Then you read uh, the letter of James, and James says, so you see a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And you go, huh? <laughs> How do those two fit together? And so you got to think it through. Uh, Paul is talking about a living faith in Christ. James is talking about a dead faith in Christ that even, even demons have, that kind of faith. And I think if you put Paul and James in a room, they'd agree. Yes, we're saved by faith in Christ alone, but it's got to be a real faith, not a dead faith. So let Scripture interpret Scripture. I would say this. I think 95% of the Bible is easy to understand. But then there's that 5% <laughs> where I, I remember an old pastor saying this. He says, when I come to a difficult verse, I look at it, I study it, but often I just have to walk around it, tip my hat to it, and move on. <laughs> Next way to read the Bible. Understand to whom the passage was written and when. So if you're reading in the Old Testament that when you sin, you should kill a lamb. Well, remember, that's written to Old Testament Jews before Jesus, the Lamb of God, died on the cross. We don't have to kill lambs anymore. If you read in the Old Testament that you're not supposed to eat pork, well, then you've got to realize that was written to Old Testament Jews before Jesus came along in Mark chapter 7 and declared all foods clean. You can have a hot dog. So just when you read the Bible, understand to whom it was written and when. Next way to read the Bible. Read the verse in context. Do you know that you can quote the Bible to say, there is no God? Psalm 14, there is no God. Well, you better read it in context. What comes right before that? Quote, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So beware of people who take a Bible verse out of context and twist it and make it say something it doesn't say. Do you remember when Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness? The devil quoted the Bible to Jesus, but he was twisting it. I heard somebody say, Jehovah's Witnesses, they know the Bible backwards and forwards, mostly backwards. Read things in context. Another thought on how to read the Bible. Get a routine. I read the Bible every day, and I do it. I, I do it in the morning. If you're a night person, do it at night. But I have a routine in my life so that every day I read the Bible pretty much at the same time. And it's just a routine. It's just something I do. If you never or rarely read the Bible, just Start a, a habit, a routine, and just get into that healthy habit. One last thought about how to read scripture. Sola Scriptura. That is a Latin phrase meaning the Bible alone. Martin Luther, uh, John Calvin, the reformers believe the Bible alone is our highest authority. Sola Scriptura. Now I'm a Lutheran. My highest authority is not Martin Luther. You know, you might be a Catholic. I hope your highest authority is not the Pope. For a Christian, the Word of God, the teaching of Christ and His apostles, take priority over everything, including our feelings. <laughs> Sola Scriptura. The Bible alone gets the highest authority. That's not to say there aren't other authorities that we honor, but the one that determines everything is the Bible. Um, 
I went, I, I graduated from Bethel University many years ago. I wanted to go back for a Greek refresher course. So here's the old guy with all these seniors in college taking Greek. And one day a woman in class, a college age woman, uh, gave the devotional for the class. Everybody took a different day to do the devotional. She used her devotional to tell us she was going to be a pastor. And I know some of you don't believe women should be preachers, uh, but I do. And so uh, you can talk to me after class if you want. I tapped her on the shoulder. Can we talk? And, and after class, I said to her, but the Bible says women should not preach over adult men, 1 Timothy 2. Women can teach women, women can teach children, but if there's adult men, that teaching should be done by a man. Well, who are you to question God's call on my life? God is telling me to be a preacher. I said, I don't think so. You might feel that, but the Bible says women are to preach over men, 1 Timothy 2. And you know, it's, it's kind of like the person who says, well, I know the Bible says I'm a Christian that I should marry a Christian, but I prayed about it and I feel that it's okay for me to marry my non-Christian boyfriend because I think I'll convert him after. But I, I but you can, yeah, your feelings can lie. Anytime your feelings say one thing and the Bible says another, sola scriptura, the Bible is our final authority, not Martin Luther, not the Pope, not your feelings. Let the Bible be your final authority. All right, let's review all this. What will, let's say you don't read your Bible. Please do, regularly, daily. What will Bible reading do for you? It can save you, it can give you God's mind on things, give you good teaching, kick you and correct you, make you righteous and equip you to do God's work. How should I read my Bible? I pray for the Spirit's guidance. I read it with others in the church. I let scripture interpret scripture. I understand to whom the passage was written and when. I read the Bible in context. I get a routine and sola scriptura, Bible gets final word. I, I end with this. Here's a woman who became a Christian and a friend at her workplace said, well, what's the difference now between you and me now that you're a Christian? And the woman said one letter, you love the world, I love the word. Would you please get your Bible off the shelf, put it next to your bed, put it on the uh, living room table, get yourself into this book regularly so you will love the word and you won't be duped by the world. Amen. Hi, I'm Mona, and I'm usually behind the camera, but today I'm filling in for Jackie, who's recuperating at home. So our prayers are with you, Jackie. Now it's the portion of the program where we ask Pastor Brock some questions regarding the Bible. And our first one is, wasn't the Bible changed a, a lot? Or wasn't the Bible changed after being handed down, handed down for hundreds of years? Yeah, you get this from people, and it's, Mona, it's just not true. Let me explain this. The Old Testament was written during a period of about a thousand years. Mm -hmm. So that was written over a period of about a thousand years going through the history of the Jews. But in 1946, a uh, shepherd boy threw a rock into a cave over in Palestine, heard something break, and he found the Dead Sea Scrolls. These are Old Testament, it's like the book of Isaiah, all this mm. stuff. And they compared the book, the Dead Sea Scrolls, which date back to 200 BC to the uh, 1000 AD copy they had of the Old Testament. 
I mean, it's like virtually the same. Mm. Tiny little differences, but almost, because the Jews were careful. This was their holy Bible. They didn't just add stuff and throw stuff out. This was their holy scripture. And, and then the New Testament was written within about 60 years. You know, Jesus died about 33 AD, and the Gospel of John, the, excuse me, Revelation, the last book to be written about 90, 95. So we're talking 60 years, wow. and the New Testament was complete. So when people say, well, yeah, the Bible was made up by men, changed over hundreds of years, that's just not true. And we have old, old manuscripts, lots of manuscripts of the New Testament that, that we can compare against each other and see things. So, um, no, the Bible is, especially the New Testament, but Old Testament too, it's the most historically verified document, I'm talking especially the New Testament, that of, of the ancient world. And reliable. Uh, very reliable. I mean, people don't uh, doubt, you know, the history of, of something that there's one copy of from uh, 100 AD. We've got lots of copies of the New Testament. So, yeah. Wow. Well, what version of the Bible do you recommend? Well, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. I like the Bible translations that are the most literal translation. So you really know what it says. And for that, you go to either the ESV, English Standard Version, or the New American Standard Bible, NASB or, N, or ESV. Another good one is the NIV. But the, the, and, and again, I've said this many times lately, but I finally paid the money and bought the ESV Study Bible. I love this thing because on the bottom of every page, they have good footnotes explaining the difficult verses. The ESV Study Bible. Okay. Yeah. Um, why are there so many versions of the Bible? Well, what you have is you have one Bible, but lots of different translations into English. And there's a ton in English. Mm -hmm. So if you want a real literal one, you would get the versions I just said. If you want a real free one, where they just really kind of make sure you, you go to the Living Bible, which I wouldn't. I mean, that's just way too over over-interpreted. So just, just um, uh, so, the, and then there's uh, translations that are more translating the thoughts rather mm -hmm. than the words, like the TEV version, but I, I'd stick with the more literal one. What about the King James Version? King James Version written in what, 1611 is it? Uh, a very good version for then. Uh, it's harder to understand because it's written in Elizabethan English. Okay. So nothing's wrong with it and it's beautiful. The Psalms especially are mm -hmm. beautiful, but it's kind of harder to read because of the ancient English. <laughs> Let's okay. put it that way. Yeah. Um, do we have time for one more question? We, actually, we don't. We're, we're running out of time, Mona. Thanks for answering our questions. Everybody pray for Jackie. She's had some health issues, so uh, keep her in your prayers. If you want to see more of our shows, just go to pastorstudy.org. You can watch all of our TV shows there for free. Pray for us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org.
org two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study. P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.